From WXCI 91.7 in Danbury, this is Public Reading Club, a radio program dedicated to discussions about books, writing, reading with writers and book people. Your host is Matt Caputo. Thanks for joining us on Public Reading Club. Our guest today is Chris Belden. He's the author of the novels Shriver and Carry On, the story collection The Floating Lady of Lake Tawaba, which won the Fairfield New Rivers Book Prize. Um, in the fall of 2003 with Woodhull Press, he published a Closer to Freedom, Prose and Poetry for Maximum Security, a collection of writings by members of Chris's prison creative writing workshop. Uh, I believe he was at uh, Gardner Corrections in Newtown, for several years before the pandemic. Um, it was really fantastic to talk to him. I really um, kind of dove into his work. Uh, I read his novel Shriver, which is now a movie called Little White Lies starring Michael Shannon, Kate Hudson, and Don Johnson. But uh, I was really compelled to bring him on to talk about this project uh, where he collected the work of incarcerated writers. Um, he just has a a lot of stories about how these writers and the, these pieces of work came to be and we had a great conversation with him so uh, stay tuned uh, for this great chat with Chris Belden who uh, he also hosts an open mic in South Norwalk it's called FUMFA a uh, Poets and Writers Live and there's uh, uh, some info about that online it's F-U-M-F-A Poets and Writers uh, live that might be Fairfield U MFA but I don't know that's the truth uh, um, right now you can get the book on Amazon anywhere books are sold and you can actually watch A Little White Lie which is based off Chris's book Shriver on Hulu and Amazon and all those other good places so uh, we really hope you enjoy uh, our chat with Chris he's a uh, Really fantastic guy. A lot of insight into not only writing, but teaching writing in a correctional setting. And uh, I know some people in the Westcon MFA program are interested in teaching and uh, sometimes teaching in those institutional settings. So uh, enjoy, and uh, we'll see you again on Public Reading Club. We have a very special guest today on Public Reading Club here at WXEI 91.7, streaming online at WXEI.org. Here on the campus of Western Connecticut State University, it is the newest episode, and with us today is a, a very special guest. The power of Instagram um, helped bring myself and uh, Mr. Chris Belden. He is the editor of a book called Closer to Freedom, Poetry and Prose from Maximum Security, and uh, it's written by... Uh, largely incarcerated writers all incarcerated writers uh, yes about 60 plus incarcerated writers and it's uh, uh there's poems essays and other stories um uh on love racism redemption criminal justice system uh the ever elusive meaning of time uh, as i'm reading the back of the book here chris before we get into this book which i think is really important uh, i myself am very interested in uh, issues around incarceration, and um, I've taken a real interest recently in uh, 
people who are still incarcerated for cannabis. Mm. Uh, it's been a real big uh, interest of mine. A lot of my reading is dedicated to that right now. And I wanted to bring you in because uh, it, it seems like you had such a mission to create this book and to get these voices out there to the public. Why don't you, before we get into all that, though, why don't you start, just tell us where you're from and what was, what was the beginning of your career? How did you get involved in writing, even at your earliest ages? Hmm. I'm from the Midwest, uh, Canton, Ohio, which is northeast Ohio, not far from Cleveland. Home of the Football Hall of Fame. The Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's right. Which I visited many times as a, as a youngster. Wow. And uh, ended up uh, in New York for a while uh, as a musician, writer, um, doing a lot of different kinds of stuff. And um, eventually really kind of settled into the writing gig and uh, ended up in Connecticut uh, about 20 years on from there. And, but all along I was, I was in workshops myself, writing workshops uh, around the city. And started working as a as a workshop leader um, through a group called Writers Corps, and we did work in the Bronx where we were we were going out there and working with underrepresented people, mm-hmm. people who normally don't get the chance to have a writing workshop. I worked specifically with uh, senior citizens, and and that was that was a mind blowing experience. Wow. Just to work with people who you know never written before, and I really caught the bug. You know, I wanted to do more of that. I started working with New York uh, Writers Coalition, which does that kind of work too. Worked in a soup kitchen and a couple other places, and then moving up here, I've always wanted—I don't know why. I can't tell you why. Um, I have theories, but it, I, some I had some flea in my ear about working in a, in a prison. Wow. Maybe it was just because you know talking about underrepresented people. Who don't get an opportunity to do this kind of thing? I mean, of of anybody I could think of, it's people who are incarcerated wow. who don't get that chance. So, you know, I got that opportunity and and jumped at it. Were you a writer that went the college route yourself, or you more of a self taught? I well, I studied I studied undergrad University of Michigan. Uh, wow. I studied film though. Wow. And and then, uh, you know, over many years in the city especially took took writing workshops to to work on my writing and 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 did eventually get my MFA at Fairfield wow. University and that that's where this project started we you know part of part one of the requirements was to do a non so-called non-creative project which meant it wasn't related we to We call it the enrichment project here. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and this it, is my enrichment I project. Think, is it? Yeah, yes, see? It I like that name. I like the enrichment project. Enrichment project. Yeah, yeah. it sounds, it sounds much more meaningful. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, most people were doing, I don't know, they were writing basically like book reports. Right. You know, dialogue in the novels of Charles Dickens or whatever. But I wanted to get get you know get out there and do something. And uh, this was this is what I chose to do, and uh, somehow I got into. Um, Garner Correctional uh, over in Newtown, uh, maximum security prison, men's prison, and I uh, was able to start this workshop. Do you think it had anything to do? Um, was a was a prerequisite for teaching? Was that an MFA or anything like that? It was an MFA, yes, and um, I did have my eye on teaching, you know, at the college level, which once I graduated, I did that. I did that some 
you know, adjunct work. Mm -hmm. It's a uh, <laughs> it's a grind. Yeah, yeah. So I don't do that anymore. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm I'm open to it, but but I'm not as interested as I was. Surprisingly, I mean, I ended up doing this for ten years. I mean, well beyond the point. You know, beyond I gradu uh, beyond uh, my graduation from the MFA, it was just it was so meaningful to me and and gratifying. And as long as they were, I would say, as long as they're going to let me into the prison, I'll keep going. Wow. And then and then of course COVID happened, so they they didn't let people into the prison. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that became a thing. Yeah. So what? Your your early work as a writer, what what kind of stuff were you into? Were you more of a creative uh, fiction, fiction writer? Yeah, fiction. Journalism? No, no, pretty exclusively fiction. Um, and I, I have a few novels out there in the world. One one was um, was recently made into a film. Wow, uh, came out earlier this year. The film is called A Little White Lie. I think it's on Hulu now. Yeah, but um, the book was called Shriver. I'm not very happy with the title change. But I am happy with the movie. The movie turned out okay. Uh, some really good people in it. And uh, so, you know, I've been out there writing novels, stories, getting that getting that stuff out there. But, uh, you know, nothing has been as gratifying as this project. No, I, 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 I have to tell you, though, you could probably be on a whole other episode about the Shriver thing because we've had, I don't know if you've seen, we've had a number of, um, I guess you'd say crime novelists, right? We had... Uh, Peter Blauner and Reed Farrell Coleman and mm. Lawrence Block. They were yeah. all on the show previously. Great. So it would be, be one day interesting to pick your brain about the sure. uh, the roots of your of your novel there. Is, uh, is that, and the little reading that I did do on you before I invited you in here today, is that, that's like a detective novel, right? A bit of a... No, I do, I do have a detective novel. That's called The Private Dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's, that's, uh, that's Kindle only at this point. Okay. But people can read that out there. Schreiber's a whole other thing. Schreiber's a, Schreiber's a, an imposter syndrome novel. I mean, there's a mystery element to it, but it's uh, it's uh, it's really about imposter syndrome. That's really interesting, and we could pick that up again, at some point. But tell me about you have this closer to freedom here, and it's it's mind blowing because it's a very thick book, but it's probably not even. Um, this is a, a tiny fragment of the stories that could be told and the voices that, oh, that sure. come out of the art incarceration system. Tell me how we got to this. Where's where's the idea for this bound book here start? The when I when I started working in the prison, that was in late 09, 2009. Um, I didn't know how long it was going to last. You know, it's like uh, if the prison is is so so unpredictable. For many, many reasons, not just for the people who are incarcerated, but for you know, for people going in, volunteers like like I was, you know, I mean, they could shut it down any minute. Mm -hmm. There were a couple times where I thought maybe they were gonna. Yeah. So. No, that's that's a familiar story that you just said. Is yeah. um that that when we had our MFA residency here at West County a year ago, earlier in 2023, actually, um, at the beginning, that was the kind of shared consensus among the the panel of speakers who had taught in the prison system mm. they said that it, it almost seemed like they could shut this program down oh yeah any second it was it was at the whim of of the <clears throat> administration and fortunately for a lot of that time we had a, a warden there who was very receptive and he could see that it was actually helpful right you know because these guys come in first of all it's, you know it's self-selective they're, they're there because they want to be there 
and so they you know they tend not to be you know troublemakers or whatever they want to learn they mm-hmm. want to they want to try something new but you know having this opportunity to to express themselves this way and to meet every week and be and be vulnerable you know i mean prison as you can imagine is not an environment where vulnerability is is encouraged or even a good idea right for you know 99.9% of the time so you know i had a policy it was like you know what happens in this room stays in this room kind of a thing and once you build that trust they they would come in how and be that you know they would open up and then you know then they would leave and go to their cells and have the rest of their days and they you know they would be generally speaking more mellow you know <laughs> how many of the students that you had um in the in the correctional facility were on the the remedial levels of literacy uh you know, I, I couldn't give you a percentage, but I would say I would say it was a low percentage. I mean, there were there were there were always going to be a couple of guys who had a hard time reading and writing, but it was generally guys who were really interested in books. And uh, we we started uh, in the library. Uh, eventually, the librarian retired, and they closed the library. Wow. Yeah, and we we got together and and, and reopened the library uh, ourselves so that they would have access to books. I mean, they had access to books, like you know, but very very limited without the library. But um, so these guys were like library regulars, basically. So they you know they were they were pretty literate. I mean, they would read all different kinds of stuff. Some guys had written books. Really? Yeah. And then there were you know then there were guys who you know who struggled. A little bit, but you know, they still had a story. You know, they yeah. still had a voice. Probably compelled by movies and books. You know, and sure. themselves. You know, movies and 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 hip hop. Yeah, hip hop's huge influence. Yeah, huh? Huge, huge. Were were um were some of them trying to write hip hop in the class? Yeah, I mean, basically verses and what? Yeah, I mean, they were performance. There was a lot of performance poetry going on. Which had a, a really hip hop element to it, you know. I mean, it was. You, I mean, you could almost hear. They, you know, we had no access to, you know, to any kind of musical accompaniment, but you could hear it. Yeah. And they and they, you could tell some of them hoped, you know, maybe when they got out or whatever, they could they could get into that. There's something I think it's called the Prison Journalism Project. Have you heard of that? Mm, there's a lot there's, of it. there's so many projects that it's hard yeah. to keep track. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out of that. Um, yeah, I mean a lot of uh, creative nonfiction and also kind of articles uh, that these these people these guys are sharing. Um, the writers in here were they all really met here and well, where did they all come from just here in newtown that they were all at that one facility they were yeah we the whole time the 10 years that i did this it was all at the one facility so that's that's where they were but of course they came from yeah from all over the material it's a federal prison right it's a, it's a state prison oh, it's a state prison but there i mean there were guys originally from out of state but there were a lot of guys you know connecticut born the material so it spans a 10-year yeah. Type of the, and you, how did you collect this stuff? Like, how was, was well, this on paper? Going back, you know, going back to uh, where, you, where you said, how, like, how did this book come about? Kind of lost that thread. Um, a, a couple years in, I decided that uh, two things: one, that I would, I would give them an opportunity to read their work aloud to to a, a, an audience other than the group itself, mm-hmm. uh, and we would invite people in. Um, 
from the outside and people from the inside and they would have an audience and they would read. It was really important for them as writers. I think it's it's hugely important to have that audience and to see the impact that you have on them. The other thing I wanted to do was collect their work and publish it. And so over those 10 years, I published myself with with some, you know, financial help from, you know, GoFundIt or, you know, crowdfunding right, right. Um, sources and also from Westport Writers Workshop where I, where I run workshops. They, they pitched in money to create these chapbooks, basically, um, collections of their work. So, yeah, I would collect their work, type it up. This was this was grueling. Yeah, sounds like a lot of work. Because <laughs> some guys would really give me a lot of stuff, and sometimes the handwriting wasn't so hot. But um, <laughs> uh, I would type it up, you know, give it, give them copies, their original copies, type, typewritten copies, because they liked having, you know, they could show it to people. It's all typed up, and then I just, I kept it for these little annual chat books, mm-hmm. and then you know when when COVID hit, all of a sudden I wasn't going into the prison. Uh, but I had all this material and some material that I, I hadn't been able to put in the chat book. And, you know, I was like, you know, I miss these guys. I miss the work. You know, wouldn't it be cool to just put it all together in one big book? So, you know, I had I had tons of materials, like, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of pages of poetry and prose and went through and selected what I liked and then I had to get permission because this was going to be actually be published by a publisher. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like a little in-house thing. I had to track everybody down that I could and and have them sign off on it. Some guys wouldn't sign off, which was a bummer because there was some work that I really wanted in there. And um, and you know that took that took a while, um, but uh, that's how it ended up in this one big volume. The guys who didn't sign off on it, did they give you a reason why? Uh, some guys, uh, some guys just never responded, so mm. no reason. One guy wanted money, mm. and and I wrote back and I, you know, I said, listen, nobody's making money. I'm not making any money on this. Right, right. And in fact, the publishers, you know, whatever money they make, which is probably not going to be anything, because you know, it takes a lot of money just to put the thing together right. for them. If there's any money, they're going to give it to Community Partners in Action, which is a, an organization in Connecticut that helps people. Uh, after they're incarcerated, they reacclimate and whatnot. Yeah, you know, with work and uh, housing and food and and all support, that kind of support. So nobody's nobody's making a dime on this thing, but you know, some people they want they want their dough. How many <laughs> of these um, incarcerated writers? How many of them were channeling or writing about a traumatic experience in their life? Uh they. I don't know. It happened. Yeah. You know, I didn't. I didn't encourage that. I didn't discourage it. It was like you know, I'm not a psychologist. Right. I didn't want to like re-traumatize people. And, you know, okay, write about you know the worst thing that's ever happened to you, because there was some bad stuff that oh, happened yeah. to people, uh, and and some of that would come out just naturally. I I would I would I was I was given prompts. Um, you know, often there was there was some poem or some piece of of prose that I would give them, and I you know. From a craft level, it's like okay, do what this guy's doing, and and or I would give them a topic, and and then they would come back and they were they were very determined to stick to the surprisingly for me to stick to the assignment. They did not they didn't mind being told what to do at all. <laughs> it really surprised me. 
Um, but stuff will come up. And I mean, one of the one, one story is the guy, the story's in here, big guy, uh, muscle bound biker dude guy, tattooed and very intense. Turned out to be like a very mellow guy. And he's been in, he'd been in for, you know, 25 years or so. Mm-hmm. He was into yoga, meditation, you know. He was very level-headed. He wrote a story about uh, an encounter with his father who was an alcoholic who, who when, and when this guy, Pat Walsh, was a, a little kid, like five or 10 years old, his father tore up his teddy bear, threw it in the garbage, and he finds it in the garbage, the kid does. Wow. And then he, hi- he runs and hides because he hears his dad come home because his dad's gonna beat him up. He stood in front of this group of people I, and I hadn't been there that long, and he said, "I don't know if I can read this." You know, it was just, it was so raw, and so vulnerable. This is a tough guy, you know. Yeah. Saying? And he read this thing, and and you know, with tears in people's eyes, and everybody patted him on the back, said that was so great, and it was great, you know. So you know, things like that would come up in stories, but I didn't I didn't want to encourage it because that would turn some guys off. You're in a state prison. There's probably a lot of different crimes in there that these people committed or yeah. were alleged to commit. How many of them were trying to document freedom? You know that they that how many of them felt like they were falsely accused? Not that many. Really? Not that many. The, most of the, most of them were like, yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> I did it. You know, and I'm sorry I did it. Um, you know, I'm a changed person. Yeah. I've learned a lot of them. Were there lifers in there? Or? Oh yeah, serious yeah. lifers, and there, there was one guy, uh, Marquise Jackson, who's in there. He he uh, he was exonerated. Wow. So, he, but interestingly, like, he never said to me personally, "I didn't do it." He was just like you know, he kept his head down, and he'd been in there long enough, and he had his legal team, you know, and he was just working on it, working on it, and 19 years, he came out. Wow. Totally exonerated. So you know, I mean that's a that's a happy ending. But what a, you know that's nineteen years of his youth. Yeah. How many how many of them were in jail for narcotics? Uh, I I would I would guess quite a few. You know, I one one of the rules really going in. Not a rule that's written anywhere, but you know if if you. Going in, you know, I read a lot of stuff by folks who've done this kind of work, and and one thing that they always say is don't ask. Mm -hmm. Don't ask what they're in for. It might come up, and it would occasionally. might come out in the writing, might come out in conversation, and occasionally it would. There's still a lot of guys I don't know what they did. Wow. But uh, there were definitely a lot of guys who who were into dealing drugs, who were um, addicted to drugs, and often they would commit other crimes. Right. You know, there was bank robbery and stealing cars and what have you, to, you know, because they needed the dough wow. to feed their habit or whatever. But there's, I mean, drugs were drugs were involved one way or another in probably, I don't know, the majority. I mean, even, even you know, guys who were in for murder, I mean, it's because they were messed up. Yeah. You know. Um, how sad and did you basically stop because COVID had interrupted your teaching there yeah COVID came down and that was it and there was no going in and it was you know it was years 
before they started letting people in. And at that point, I was like, okay, I've, you know, kind of done that. Yeah. For 10 years, it would be hard to go back in. Not because of the—I I, miss the guys, All many of whom had been released over that, you know— Through COVID. After, yeah, during the COVID thing or or shortly thereafter. And, you know, so it would be a whole different crew, which is okay. And I'm, I miss them, but, I you know, I didn't miss the process of— Dealing with the administration and uh, you know that whole thing—that was that was the, always the toughest part of the of the gig. So when did you actually start putting the book together? Uh, it was probably a year and a half ago, uh, more or less. Um, took a little, took a little while. Um, well, it was probably longer. Ago. It was a year and a half ago that uh, the Woodhall Press said, "Okay, we're going to do this." Mm-hmm. So and I, and I had to come to them with a product, you know. So. So, you know, at least probably a couple years ago where I just started cobbling it together to see what it would look like and, you know, getting an idea of of what I had. Are you in touch with many of the people that since they've been released or? I have. We had a a reading in Newtown a couple weeks ago and um, five guys came out to to read their work and answer questions. And in fact, there's another one at the Norwalk Library November 19th, Sunday, November 19th, 2 p.m., Norwalk Library. Be there. Um, at least a couple guys have kind of come to that. So, yeah, I've, there were there were guys I was in touch with anyway, um, even before COVID and, and what have you. Um, Marquis, the guy who was exonerated, um, I would talk to him, a couple other guys. But since the book came out, you know, I've been in touch one way or another with everybody, inside and outside. And, you know, it was great to see them. Well, you know, most of these guys I've never seen not wearing their tans, you know, the, the prison outfits. And I love how they wrote their biographies here yeah. at the end. Yeah. That was really important to me that they, they get the, the opportunity to, to tell something about themselves. Some some guys didn't, for whatever reason, they didn't, didn't want to do it or they just forgot or something, but... How um, have any of these guys, even on the the, the early levels, have they, have they um, pursued any writing outside of prison? It's we we talked about that a couple weeks ago because people were curious about that at the at this reading, um, and they all they all say yeah. One one guy J V he's he's made several short films, and he's written a lot of screenplays. Really? And he's done that kind of writing, and he's he also wrote a novel, and he's written some kids stuff. So he's pursued that quite a bit. The other guys, they talk about it. Um, I hope they do. You know, they talk about writing about their experiences, uh, especially you know memoir type things. Um, it's hard. It's hard to be out in the real world. I mean, their lives are very complicated. As you know, people who are, have been released. They're dealing with a lot of stuff, and uh, you know the thing about having this workshop was like every week. It's like, okay, every week you're coming. You know, you need some pages. I love the language contained here, which is like really authentic language. Um, just reading this one gentleman. I hope it's okay reading this yeah, one of gentleman's yeah. biography here. Um, a lifelong Connecticut resident, Kenneth Anderson, was born in 1963. He graduated from Central High School in 1981 and went on to 
Clinton to study technology. In 1982, he joined the U.S. Navy and was accepted into the CT State Police Academy in 1989. However, unforeseen circumstances did not allow Kenneth to continue. He caught his first felony case and was headed on a downward spiral of crime. He ultimately robbed three banks in South Carolina where he was sentenced to 15 years. Released in 1998, he later reoffended in Connecticut and was sentenced to 10 years. He was released in 2015. While on the inside of Gardner Correctional Institution, he took Chris Belden's creative writing class as well as applied theater with Gardner librarian Mark Aldrich. Mr. Anderson continues working in theater and writing has become effective in his church where he has recently appointed the position of elder. He has obtained his operation engineer card and currently works as a crane operator. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a very, very interesting life. Yes. Th- this individual had. He's a great guy, Ken. You know, he's he's older. You know, he's a, he's a wise fellow. And... Um, He's one. He's one of those like really solid guys. It's like, you know, there's a lot of guys in there you meet, and you're like, okay, I understand, you know, more or less why they're here. He was one of those guys. Like, why is he here? You wow. Because uh, you know, by the time I met him, he's you know he had his head on very straight, and he's done really well. He's an amazing actor too. Really? He. I mean, he's just a complete natural. And he's he's one of the guys who uh, who will uh, be at that. Um, at that reading in Norwalk, too. Would you want to read his work here? Yeah, sure. This is Kenneth Anderson's work from uh, Closer, Close, to Freedom, Closer to Freedom, edited by Chris Belden. Dear Mr. Warden, my name is Kanani, and I am five, but I'm going to be six next year when I go to the kindergarten school and the bus brings me. Um, I was thinking, is my papa Kenny over there? Because I need my hair cut for school. I saw him on the TV. Do you have his helicopter plane over there? He said he was going to take me and Kenora to the beach and fly his helicopter plane. You like roller coasters? Papa Kenny made me laugh. Grandma said she's going to let me talk to Papa Kenny when he calls from his truck. Did you ride in Papa Kenny's big, big truck? OMG, it's bigger than a spaceship. But I have to go now. Tell my Papa Kenny to come home now because I need my hair cut for school next year. Oh, and tell him don't forget to bring his helicopter plane. So that's in the voice of his grandchild, who didn't know he was in prison. You know, it's like he's he, he when he talks to grandpa on the phone, he, grandpa's calling from his truck because he was a he was a truck driver back then too. Um. So yeah, that one that one kind of kills me because he he nails this kid's voice. And uh, Ken's also a, a barber, so wow. he cuts people's hair. <laughs> He would cut his grandchild's hair. Tell me, how much, um, how much of the time would there be, would there be uh, a gradual appreciation for what the students were doing when they were incarcerated, as far as the writing went? I mean, how much, how often would you see somebody change a little bit? Oh man, I saw I saw people change all the time. You know, and it, and it was yeah, sure it was gradual, and and it was a a, a whole, you know, a, a lot of different things that would happen to that would help change them. Um, you know, I like to think that this workshop was one part of that. You know, um, but I would see people uh, who didn't want to share their work, 
who didn't who didn't really want to write blossom you know they would they would be writing they would write so much that you know i'd have so much to type up from them and then you know they'd be the first one to stand up and read um so i saw that change which was always you know hugely gratifying and you know i saw people change there was a guy he's in here CeeLo. um Man, tough guy. He was like, he was, like, he was, he was like of all of all the guys that I met in there. He was the guy like, if you first meet him, you'd be like, oh god, this guy's scary. Oh, wow, <laughs> just very intense. He wasn't even a big guy. He was a little guy, but he had the he had the teardrop tattoo and the whole thing. And he's just a tough dude. Felipe Colon was his name. And uh, through this workshop and the theater workshop that Ken mentions in his bio, he became you know so interested in writing. And and you know, writing poetry and and stories and and also plays. He wrote plays, and he said, you know, when I get out of here in seventeen years, and this was a while ago, so he's getting closer. Um, I'm gonna work with kids doing this kind of thing, doing theater and doing creative writing. Wow! Because if I had this when I was, you know, fourteen, fifteen years old and getting into trouble. I might not be in jail. Maybe he realized that the facade of being a tough guy is an act in some ways. You yeah, know? it's an act, and it's an act that you know, in prison, in that environment, you have to keep up. Yeah, you know, but he could he could let it down a little bit yeah. when he came in here. Tell me, um, something that uh, Anthony uh, Dieris, who's the coordinator of our MFA program here, said uh -huh. about his experience uh, teaching. He actually taught in the Boston jails, uh, in the prisons, and uh, he said that he kind of thought going into it he was going to work with material that was more like you're presenting in this book, mm -hmm. kind of emotional stuff, reflective stuff, uh, meditative type of writing, right? Uh, and what he got was... Uh, a lot of the people in the writing classes were interested in how to fill out a job application. Yeah. Like, what well, did you get that type of um, thing? Were you ever not asked really about that? No, not really. Um, you know, we we were very clear as to like you know how this works. It's like okay, we're gonna write about this. Um, and they, I mean, they had help with some of that stuff at Garner. Um, you know, there were GED classes, and there were. You know, a lot of counseling and stuff to help them with with certain things. So they weren't no, they weren't interested in that in that kind of writing, at, at least when they came to this workshop. I'm sure they were very interested. You know, outside of the workshop, wanting to do that kind of stuff. You ever give any job references to these guys? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't allowed. You know, it's like if if they if guys would ask not so much for job references, but for you know, like okay, I'm, I'm coming up for parole. Can you write me a letter? <laughs> And stuff, and as a volunteer, that's like a no-no. I didn't even know that at first, but because I, really? I, I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll, you know, I'll do that." It's like, "Nope, you can't do that. Uh, you can't have any kind of personal thing." But I've since I've been out of there, and and particularly getting in touch with people for the book, I've written a whole bunch of the, of those kinds of letters. Good for you because those uh, those people have no other person that has a, a relationship with that that uh, any employer could reference. So good for you for uh, getting involved in that way. Yeah, it's been, you know, it, it's been uh, interesting, 
gives gives me a lot of of hope, but it's also depressing because because some of these guys, it doesn't work. You know, they don't they don't get out. Um, you know, it's amazing. We talk often about uh, creative writers, and this will be the only the uh, this will be the third person to be on the show to actually get a movie made out of his out of his own book. But what I find most interesting is that we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> which is really That's interesting. We fine with me. we spend so much of, and this is not to knock anybody else, but we spend so much of those other shows talking about what books of that certain writers have that could be movies. Sometimes we'll, we'll sometimes we'll talk for a half hour about you know if you got Dennis Leary to <laughs> you know to back the movie it would be the right thing. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting to me is you seem like you are an accomplished writer in that way, and you figured out that. that there's so much greater good that you could do um, through the art form and through the medium of writing. It seems like this is more your focus, you know. It well, certainly lately it has been, and it's 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 been the most um, satisfying on, on that level of writing of uh, you know professional level. Uh, much more so than you know, writing the novels that I wrote or having the movie made, all of which you know, great, you know, it's cool, I'm, I'm sure, I, I, I love it and everything. It doesn't hit you know hit me the way that this right. work hits me. No, it's 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 an interesting thing because I've uh, I'm definitely not on your level, but um, even recently I was invited to go speak at Fordham University to some sports writing students, and one of the students had just a fantastic idea, absolutely fan. Fantastic idea, uh, and I remember saying to myself, um, "If this kid continues to do this, I'll probably go far." Mm-hmm. And I said, he, "He emailed me afterwards, and he asked me if I would help him with his idea and take a look at what he comes up with." And it's a gratifying thing to be involved with that with anyone. Uh, I'm sure a mentor, right? And and I'm sure and. Uh, even more so with people who really don't have access to that type of support, you know, in the in the creative process. Sure. Uh, really, really interesting. But 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 before we go, humor me a little bit though. Did did you have those years where you were? Re- I mean, to get a novel published, especially the one that becomes a movie, did you have those years where you were very focused on your own writing, or was there other? Were you always kind of a guy who did it on the side from something? No, I was. I was. Yeah pretty focused on it i mean there's there's always it was, there was other stuff was on the side really for me yeah <laughs> you know the money earning stuff and and the teaching and and everything and the, the writing has always been more you know on the front burner right um and, and it's it's still that way for me you know it's it's more important to me than than anything else i mean the, the, I mean, this is a, in its own category this work right um I mean, I was running a workshop, but I don't, I don't consider it teaching. Right. I never called myself a teacher. You know, they would call me a teacher because I came in and I was the guy who supposedly knew everything. You know, but I, I always avoided that term. I would really? say, yeah, I would say, okay, I'm a, I'm a facilitator. Right. Uh, you know, I'm the conductor. I'm, yeah, I'm. You know, I'm leading this in the sense that, okay, I'm gonna, you know, shape it for you and and and. You know, ask you questions and and what have you, but I, you know, I'm not I'm not really, you know, a teacher in the in the usual sense. 
Something you said to me a little earlier was that you said you were, you uh, you also weren't a psychologist. Yeah. Or something like that. How often, <laughs> I, I, I hate to say I felt this way at times, and I, I hate to say somebody will hear it, but um, <laughs> how often or do you feel as if that sometimes in these workshop settings, it kind of devolves from a writing thing into this weird emotional reflection thing at almost every in almost every uh, period of the workshop, you know? Yeah. Well, it definitely happens. Definitely happens. Um, probably more so in this kind of workshop. Um, these guys are coming in. First of all, they're coming in there. I mean, they're in prison, right? So it's like, you know, their lives are just, they just suck. You know, so they're coming in, even though they look forward to it, you know, it's like, okay, this is like a little, you know, couple hours where I can kind of relax and and I don't have that pressure or whatever. But they're carrying so much baggage with them, whether you know whether it's baggage from being in prison or baggage from whatever happened before prison. Stuff bubbles up, you know. And I, you know, I would have to kind of, I don't know, corral them a little bit sometimes, yeah. Because people, people would read stuff, and and guys would be like, "Oh yeah, you know, I've been there. I know exactly what you're talking about. This exact same thing happened to me." And yada, you know, and they would start telling stories, and I'd say, "Okay, let's talk about the writing. <laughs> let's talk about the work, guys," and uh, kind of get them back on track. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't really help them psychologically. I, I think allowing them, you know, or not even allowing them, giving permit, giving them permission to write and share the work was, you know, that was enough. What about um, the kind of the short term, long term plan for you and the book? What what's going on in the next couple of months and what do you plan to do after this? Well, you know, I'm just I'm trying to put the word out there. This book exists, you know. Try to get people to come to these to these readings, uh, where I think they get their minds blown, you know, by not by me, but by some of these guys who've been released, who show up and and you know are there and talking about their experiences, and um, and you know see what happens from there, you know. The book. It, it's 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 crazy out there, you know. I mean, there's, it's Absolutely. really hard to uh, it's really hard to promote anything. Yeah, there's just so much going on. I mean, we met through social media, and you know, yeah. I I try to get it out there, but it's like you know, there's so much so much stuff going on out there. So I'm I'm just trying to get it. You know, opportunities come up. That's all. It's like every every opportunity that comes up. Will you talk about this book? Whether it's you know with you here or reading, uh, you know. If I can do it, I will do it. Yeah. Just because I, w- I want this out there. Do you plan on doing any more of your own writing? Do you see a novel in your future, or maybe a nonfiction thing? I got stuff going on. Um, nonfiction is hard for me. I mean, I've written. There's a, there's an essay in here. It's the introduction that that I wrote. It's um. It was it was so hard for me to write. Really. Because I I just you know I find it very difficult to write about myself. Uh, my fiction is more about me than any nonfiction I could do, but, you know, but it's, it's hidden, you know, it's like, it's, it's in a, in a framework that's, that's made up, right. so it's, it's much more in a way revealing, and I, I had to find a way to write this introduction, I wrote it, I wrote it 10 years ago, and, um, wow. um but, you know, way before this book, it was for a, an essay contest, I, I, and I won the contest, wow. which was, was amazing, but you know, it was because I found this way to write it, which was to basically remove myself from it. Mm. <laughs> um, so that's really hard. I, I think about writing um, 
nonfiction, uh, writing about my experiences in, in, you know, whether it was in prison or whatever, because, you know, it was, it was so meaningful to me. But I, it's kind of like I lived it, you know. It's like, why? I don't, I don't. I, I I don't I don't want to spend the, you know a couple of years Looking writing about it. it. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? You know what's kind of interesting about it too is the capacity you have to put something like this together. I mean, the emails you had to send, the people Facebook you probably had to track down, and yeah. I mean, the, the there's a lot of were, snail mail, you know, because so many guys are still in prison. It's yeah. like it's um, even though some of them can get can do texting and and email now, um, you know, I I was doing all. It's a very all slow s- process. All snail mail. You just, yeah, you send something. He's like, I, hope, I just hope it gets to them. Yeah, yeah. So, um, when, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, with a project like this, do you think that they would try and call for another book like this? I mean, if it does well enough. I mean, it seems like you are getting around, though. Trying. I'm trying. They 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 talked originally. I haven't heard lately. They talked about doing other. Other books like this, the, this is Woodhall Press, the publisher. Uh, I think it depends kind of on how, you know, how well the book does. But they were talking about doing other books like this, but but maybe from different areas. Um, you know, other, other people than myself say, uh, I, like I know a guy who uh, who's done this kind of work in Florida. You know, and I'm sure he could he could probably put to you know probably do five books right because he's just been doing it he did it way longer than me even but you know this this, these are all you know from a connecticut prison you know it's like who knows it could be uh closer to freedom uh florida edition or something like that something that popped in my mind before i let you go here chris belden you you've been really great thanks so much for visiting us on public reading club but you know we do talk about um teaching writing in prison at the MFA program here, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. uh, more than I thought we would. I thought it might have been something that, uh, you know, one in every 50 writers you met tried or was interested in. But I, we found that there were a few interested writers here. Um, also had a gentleman named Bob Cowser who taught at some prisons for a while. He, mm. he came down to speak. I can't think of the other gentleman's name. But uh, do you ever think about and they're so popular here at these these colleges. You ever think about writing a sort of craft book for teaching at a at a prison, something that would well, outline lesson plans and philosophy? Well, it's funny. I mean, this introduction that I that I wrote it's it's called how to teach writing in prison. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> and it's you know one two three. It goes through the thing. It's I mean it's it's not really it's not really a craft book. It's not written that way. But that's just the way that it's it's uh, structured. It was, that was my way in to writing about my experience. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's occurred to me. I mean, there there are some out there that um, Penn America has a book out, uh, which is all about that. Yeah. You know, uh, they used to have like a little, it was like a little thin little book <laughs> on how to do now it. Now it's probably like a. Now it's a huge book. Like, it's like this. Size of a style book or something. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's gigantic now. And it's, it, which is great that they have all this material. At the same time, it kind of it lost that how to vibe. And I, you know, I think I think it is it is something that's kind of taken off. When I started doing this, it it didn't seem like that many people were doing it. And I don't know if that was because of the the way prisons were, you know, were less open to it, or. But you know, since I started doing it, I've heard so many stories of people, you know, in these past ten fifteen years, 
doing this kind of work or trying to do this kind of work or wanting to do this kind of work it, i think it's it's taken off i think i think there's so much more in the in the in the air about the criminal justice system and the shortcomings and the things that are necessary you know which goes way beyond creative writing workshops obviously but you know that kind of opportunity is one thing that can you know really help people on the inside Chris, before we let you go, I'm going to ask you one more question. What's I, your writing advice? What's like your go-to piece of writing advice that you give anyone? It could be simple. Uh, don't listen to. Uh, uh, we're not allowed to curse on here, but the, the I'll I'll I'll, um, I'll call it the poop bird, <laughs> uh, which is that bird that sits on your shoulder and says, "You can't do that. You can't write that. You know, your mom will read this." Or your friends will read this, or you know somebody will will think you're crazy if you write that. That bird is always on our shoulders. Don't listen to that bird. In fact, strangle that bird. And I love animals. <laughs> <laughs> our guest here on WXEI ninety one point seven Public Reading Club is Chris Belden. He is the editor of Closer to Freedom Poetry and Prose from Maximum Security Prisons. It is out. Right now from Woodhall Press. Chris, where can they get it? They can get it wherever books are sold. You you know, you go to a bookstore, you could order it. You can go on Amazon. You can go to the woodhallpress.com and uh, find it. Chris, thanks for coming in today. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Pleasure. Public Reading Club is a production of WXCI 91.7 Danbury Radio, hosted by Matt Caputo and produced by Pat Frenette and Matt Caputo.